Good morning. My name, good morning. All right. Y'all are doing a lot better than 915 already. Well, hey, it is a joy to be with you. My name is Adam, as my lovely wife, Laura, said. Would you give her a hand for helping us out this morning? You are getting Team Watson, okay? So Tori's out of town. He got Team Watson. I don't know what to tell you. But it has really been our joy to be with you, as, as she mentioned. And I want to tell you something about you that you might not know as we get started today is you're actually an answer to prayer. Is that good news? Yeah, yeah you're an answer to my prayer and to Laura's prayer. We were praying for you. We were praying that God would bring us to a family of believers uh, who's on mission for Christ in the city of Austin and that we'd be able to partner with you and actually become friends and become family. And it is so good to see you guys as an answer to our prayers. So you might not have known that this morning. This might be your first time, but you're an answer to my prayer. So thank you for being here. And give yourselves a hand for waking up this morning. Um, this morning, as, as Laura mentioned, we're going to continue in the Summer Psalm series. And, and Nick and Josh have done a really good job uh, really teaching us on praise and worship and what that looks like. And, and also going down into the depths of our heart into grief last week as Josh led us through that. And this morning, um, we're going to be tackling and looking at the topics of fear and anxiety through the Psalms. And everybody's excited for that, right? Yeah. Fear and anxiety, yay, okay. Um, what we're going to do through that, though, is we're really going to look at a, a psalm, Psalm 46, and we're going to see God's answer to a lot of our fears is to be still and to know Him and to be with Him. That we can be still and know Jesus. And that is good news, right? So that is where we are headed, and, and I want to give you that as we get started this morning, because in the psalms we find where God allows us to be honest and yet we find his hope as well. Yeah, there's a lot of psalms where hope and honesty collide and, and nowhere else can it handle the mess that that could create, right? I mean, there's such brokenness in the world and yet we have such hope in Christ. And how can these things even be in the same place? Um, honesty really is an act of faith toward God. That we'd be honest to him in worship, we'd be honest in our praise and in our time with him, that we would know him and know the truth of who he is. So go ahead and grab your Bible. We're going to dive right in. We're going to jump to Psalm 46 in just a minute, but I want to set that up for us, and we'll be in Psalm 46, 1 through 11. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and our ushers will bring you one. Uh, go ahead, throw your hand up if you need I see a few. Uh, that is our gift to you. We want you to use it. Take it from here and use it, read it, uh, and really receive from God's Word. And so uh, thank you for, for doing that this morning. Uh, my, my hope for you and me is we look at Psalm 46 and kind of walk through these topics that nobody wants to talk about. Nobody wants to talk about anxiety and fear. I mean, how exciting uh, that we would actually process and see our God as bigger and grander. That as you walk out of here today, that your view of God would be different. That you would see God as bigger than your problems. Bigger than your fears and, and bigger than any anxiety that you're carrying in this place today. That, that's my hope. And, and A.W. Tozer, I, I love this quote. Some of you have seen it before. I know here it says, uh, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What's coming to your mind this morning as you're thinking about God and who He is? Because when it comes to fear and anxiety, we all have different experiences and different journeys with it. Um, fear really brings out some of the worst in us. We do things when we're fearful that we would not do if we weren't afraid, right? Yeah. 
I mean, we react. We, we come out and we come unhinged sometimes. If you think of a deer, a deer will run easily. It's quickly afraid. Or if you think of a turtle, you know, where they, they kind of shrink back, right? They go into their shell. Like, how many of you feel like a turtle where you just want to shrink back? You don't want to be around all these people. See, none of those people raise their hands, right? Those are the introverts in here. And then you think about those fainting goats. Anybody seen those fainting goats on YouTube? When they get scared, what do they do? They just like roadkill, right? They just fall over and they, they just down. A lot of us react in fearful ways, and we look as silly as some of those animals. We run so quickly as people, and we have a broken and fallen and jacked up world, and it's understandable to be afraid. And I want you to hear this morning, being afraid or being fearful or carrying anxiety is not a sin. Worry is, and that's another topic for another day, but we get to see that fear is really a a response to It's a natural response to the chaos of this world. In fact, dictators and tyrants, they they use fear as a weapon. Abusers use fear as a weapon to manipulate and control people. And that is a tactic of of the devil that that happens in our world all the time. Uh, Anxiety is very different than fear. Um, It's really the anticipation of being afraid. It's the anticipation of what is to come. It's carrying this anxiousness, I'm feeling an emotion of anxiousness, leads to being fearful. Anxiety and and panic attacks are are not limited by your age, your gender, your ethnicity, whether you're saved or unsaved, no matter how much money you have in the bank, we are all susceptible. It's a very real thing in our world. And as Christians, sometimes we think, hey, I'm more saved than that. That's not going to happen to me. Let me tell you, that can happen to anybody. It can happen to absolutely anybody. And as a church, we want to be a type of church that is the safest place on earth for somebody who has anxiety to come into. We want to be a place that brings comfort to those who are fearful, for those who are going through pain and are hurting. Guys, the Big C Church has done a poor job of dealing with anxiety and fear dealing with disorders that people are carrying and processing, like OCD and other things like that. And if you have been hurt by the church, I just want you to hear, I'm sorry that that has happened to you, that you have felt misunderstood or uncared for in the midst of that. Because the church should be, and we should be as well, a church that loves people right where they're at. That you don't have to clean yourself up to come to God but that you would come just as you are, that we would be a safe place full of grace and compassion. We are a very anxious generation, though, aren't we? We're an anxious people. And in fact, we are more anxious than any time in history. And it is leading to fear in epidemic proportions. Um, J.P. Moreland is an author, and he wrote uh, with some secular psychologists and was trying to process what are some of the reasons that we're more anxious today than ever? And, and if you think about it, what if somebody a hundred years ago came and saw how busy you were today? They saw how busy your life was. I mean, the season Laura and I just got out of was essentially four full-time jobs and 20 hours of grad school between us. Guys, that's called stupid. <laughs> I mean, 
we wear busyness as a badge of honor in our society. We think, hey, if I'm doing all of this, then I have value. In fact, it's leading to our downfall more than anything in history. Uh, one of the things that the psychologists found is our pace of life. That's number one. That is one of the biggest reasons that we are anxious today. Our bodies cannot physiologically handle the pressures of all the information we're taking in. You need more sleep. You need more rest. That phone is keeping you up way too late at night. It is affecting your body. Uh, just think of all the news that you take in. When you hear of terrorist attacks and murders and rape and terrible things happening all around the world, we are taking on the anxiety of something happening 3,000 miles away. Never in history have we been that connected and that anxious at the same time. Number two is we have a literal breakdown in the ability to have meaningful relationships. Some of you are like, yes and amen. I wish people knew who I really was. We have lost the ability to have intimate, close relationships. We have lost the joy of really getting to know people in meaningful ways. Guys, we should be able to do that in the church. We should be set apart from the world. And this shocking statistic is, is kind of messing with me this week. Uh, these psychologists found that from 1999 to 2014, they saw a raise in the suicide rate in America that has reached epidemic proportions. From 1999 to 2014, the suicide rate went up 24% in America. These secular psychologists attribute this mostly to the internet and social media. The comparison is the number one reason for suicide in America today. That these psychologists are finding that it is unhealthy to continue to connect in so many ways and build up such busy lives that we're missing out on true life. And number three, and, and this blew my mind because, again, a group of secular psychologists, they found that moral relativism was the third thing that makes us so anxious. And that really just means that uh, people are finding their own truth, that what's true for you is true for you, and what's true for me is true for me, and that's okay. But what that leads to is us all frantically trying to find our own truth. And as a society, we have become so anxious because we have lost a marker, a set, a standard of what is good. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know what is good. And when you're missing that, you are lost in a world that is broken and hurting. Of course you're going to be more anxious. Of course you're going to be fearful of the world around you. Let me call this out again, church. We should be the safest place on earth, and we're not. We should be a place where people feel the gospel when they walk in here. Some of you felt that the first time you walked in the well, and that's why you're here. Somebody met you, they took you out for lunch during that awkward greeting time, and you're like, hey, I actually feel known. I feel like I can slow down the pace of life. I feel like People know me and I can have meaningful relationships and I can know God. I can know what's good. And so you're finding that here. Invite other people into that. Invite other people into what God is doing as a church. Again, the, the Big C Church has done a poor job addressing anxiety and fear. And, and in fact, I just want you to hear from, from me up front that God can use medicine. He can use doctors to help with that. 
It is not a sin. It is not a weakness. You know less of a Christian if you're grappling with anxiety. Hear that this morning. We think we're above this. Christians, we, we can't be so naive. I love this quote from one of my old professors. He said, Jesus may be in your heart, but grandpa still lives in your bones. Jesus may be in your heart, but grandpa still lives in your bones. And really, so much of our fear and anxiety is rooted in our family of origins. What happened to us when we were kiddos? What happened to us is we were growing up and processing things. You learn things. You're conditioned to think things through your family that nowhere else would have that kind of influence on you. You might have a rough family history with your parents and divorce at a young age or abuse as a kid. And that is making you anxious still today. I just want to encourage you to walk in community. Don't try to do that on your own. Get with other believers who have walked down the same path as well. You are not on your own. You're not isolated. And trust me, you're not the only anxious person in this room right now. You can walk through that with other folks. The Psalms, again, there were really this honesty and the brokenness of the world, and yet the hope of the gospel come together, where we see Jesus in the Psalms in so many ways. I want to read a few before we get into Psalm 46 uh, and just show you how really our greatest strength can be getting in touch with our greatest weakness. Psalm 34.4 says this, I prayed to the Lord, and He answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Psalm 55.22 says, Cast your cares on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Psalm 94.19 says, When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. Psalm 56.3 says, When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. Guys, we have an opportunity to worship through the Psalms. And really, worship is our weapon against the fear of this world. When we see God as bigger and greater and grander than our problems, we begin to focus on who He is instead of on our problems. And we get to see what our God is all about. In Psalm 46, we really have God reminding us through David that when the world is falling apart, God is still present. So turn to Psalm 46 with me. That's our, our first thought right now is God is present with us. Psalm 46.1 begins like this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. Jesus really said it this way. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Is that good news? That's gospel. In Psalm 46.1, we see that God is our refuge. He is a safe place. You might not think of God as a safe place, but He is a safe place. I pray that your mind would shift to see Him as that today. He gives you the strength, the ability to find Him, to find Him and to go through trouble. And he is a very present help in trouble. Even today at 11.30 on Sunday, June 30th, 2019, he is present. He's present in here. In the midst of your trouble that you walked in here with. 
He's present when you go home today and have to deal with those conversations that you don't want to. He's even present on I-35 at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. And that's hard to believe. He is present in the midst of our trouble. Yet, even though he's a refuge, even though he's a safe place, we look to other places and people of refuge, don't we? We set other people up as our Savior. We look to other people for strength. We don't look to our God who's over all and in all. And we give up that joy of connecting with him to connect with little demigods that are so small. Our own approval, our own strength. And we're grasping for control in a world where we just need to reach out and receive from God. We need to stop trying to achieve life and we need to learn to receive life. Guys, really we're looking for other idols and gods. And often we find ourselves in situations where we're crying out, God, where are you? We're crying out, I don't see you right now. In the midst of my trouble, where are you, God? And maybe you're here this morning and you've forgotten that he's actually with you. That he is present in that marriage that feels like it's falling apart. That he is present at the funeral side. That he's present when you're in a hospital room with somebody who just had a stillborn. That he's present in the moments that you feel like the world is falling apart. That literally mountains are rolling into the sea, the earthquakes of life. Yeah, he's still present there. Psalm 22, 1 through 2, David, King David, most powerful man in the world at the time, cries out to God. And I feel like if he can cry out this way, then you and I can too. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Have you had a where are you God moment in your life? I mean, where you really are just yelling out, God, I don't know where you are. For a lot of us, it's where were you? Where were you when I lost him? Where were you when my kid went wayward? Where were you when my parent died? Where were you in the midst of me losing my job and having to drive home and tell my family? Where were you? Where were you? This morning, I want to tell you from up front, as one of your pastors, you have permission to cry out to God and say, where are you? That is the kind of God we serve. He can handle you crying out, where are you? Because he's right next to you. He's present and he's with you and he wants you to cry out to him and to love him and to receive life from him. Even though we've all had these moments, some of you are looking at me and you're like, Adam, you don't know what I've been through. And you're right, I don't. I've been here six weeks. <laughs> but God does. He knows you. He's with you. He's present with you. I've had a few God, where are you moments. Some were self-inflicted. Others I had no control over. Uh, like the time I got arrested doing 93 and a 35 at 17. Hey, God, where are you? You know, <laughs> what did I do? Or when I came off the, the mission field really asking God, where are you in the midst of injustice? Why are the people that should be loving others the ones that are hurting others? Yeah. 
the one I want to share with you and, and wrestle with is when I was 19, I was sitting in an orthopedic oncologist's office, and I heard the words, you have bone cancer. I said, God, where are you? I'm 19. I think I'm going to be at this school for four years. I, I want to see where the rest of my life is going. God, where are you? This doesn't make sense. This isn't what life's supposed to be. That's what we feel a lot in those moments. They told me I had a golf ball-sized tumor on the back of my femur. I would go on to have seven inches of my femur removed, and God would not just reconstruct my femur, but my entire life. It's a big part of my story that I shared so much, I even forget the impact of it. And thankfully, I have a wife and friends here at the well who are like, hey, you need to share that Sunday. I think that fits with what we're talking about. <laughs> but guys, let me tell you, something that's hard to hear, maybe it's hard to believe when I, it comes out of my mouth, but I honestly believe this. When I was in that doctor's office, I never felt more loved by Jesus. It's not anything I did. Did I have truth in me? Was I already a believer? Yes. But it was God present with me. In the midst of our trouble, he's a very present help. That's even incorrect grammar. Very present. No, are you present or not present, right? It's like, are you here or not there? No, he's very here. That's what that's saying. He's so here. He's very here. He is with you in the midst of your need and your trouble. He was with me. I can't explain it other than the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit just comforting me. And guys, we have those moments where God is with us and some of you just need to remember back where he was with you so that you can find the strength to go on for what's coming tomorrow. Psalm 46.1, a refuge do you see God as a refuge, a safe place you can run to? What is your greatest fear that you want to bring to him today? What are you wrestling with? God, you know, I just don't know if that cancer is going to come back. As Tori says, we'll be wildly transparent. Boom, that's one of mine. I know you got one too. What if? What is that fear What's the greatest fear? Maybe what is the problem that you think is bigger than God? What is the thing that is crippling you to the point where you're saying, I don't know if God can handle that. God wants you to bring that to him. He wants you to be honest with him. And in the Psalms we see, I mean, David, God, where are you? I cry to you by night. I don't hear your voice. We have good news, though. God tells us all throughout scriptures, through the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's 365 times that the phrase, do not fear, shows up in the Bible. Now, this is crazy. If you can do math, which I'm really bad at, that's one for every day of the year. Is that good news? He gives you, do not fear, for every single day. How cool is that, that God gives us that in the scriptures? And you'll see a word coming up in the Psalms and in Psalms, uh, as we go through this here. He gives us 77 times the word Selah. You're like, Adam, I just thought that was to end that paragraph. I don't know what that is. That's okay. Selah means to rest, 
to pause, to reflect on what you just heard. Because some of the truth in the Psalms is so big that we need to pause and we need to understand what it's talking about, right? So he tells us, do not be afraid 365 times, and he tells us to rest 77 times. Does that sound like you and I are doing a lot of the work here? He is telling you to rest today. God is bigger than our fear. He's bigger than our worry. He's bigger than anything that we could ever imagine being above him. The Psalm 46 talks about the, the mountains melting. The earth is literally melting at his voice. God is for us. Uh, go to 46 verse 4. He says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage and the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Rest. Take a minute just to breathe. That's how powerful this truth is. I mean, if you read that, those four verses really quickly, you have no idea what just happened. Let's be honest. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help when morning dawns. This is so far above our everyday language. We need to pause. We need to rest. We need to take this in. See, this hymn, this song was really written by David to the whole nation. And this is for them to remember what God has done for them. They have forgotten his miracles in Egypt. They've forgotten the victories that he has done before. They've forgotten how big their God is and they've let their problems and the countries around them be bigger than him. They needed a corporate reminder of how big their God is. It's as if David is saying, lift your eyes up and remember the promises of God. For years and years, they didn't see him. They didn't feel him. They didn't know his presence. When we're afraid, we forget that God is in control and we reach out grasping for control. Your greatest fear is, is we're a young church. It might be the future for you. You might not know what's going to happen next year or the next year or 10 years from now. Hey, good news. Nobody does. Okay? You might have this fear of who am I going to be and what am I going to do? And you're trying to wrestle with controlling your own future. For me personally, uh, I am a pastor's son, a cancer survivor, and a former athlete. Okay? So the word potential was spoken over me a lot. What are you supposed to be, Adam? And one of my greatest fears became not living up to the ex expectations I had put on myself. The expectations that, hey, I'm supposed to be this way for God. Can anybody relate to that? That you are trying to earn your way to his favor. One day in a counselor's office that I frequented, I heard a phrase that, by the way, that's a good plug. If you need counseling, go to counseling, okay? It's good. It's okay. Um, I want to just remember that, you know, I was in this office. It had been almost two years since I had let myself cry from having cancer. In that whole process, I was wrestling with uh, the future, and, and I had held on to this emotion so, so tight. So when the counselor said to me, Adam, sometimes the heaviest weight a person can carry is the weight of potential. I lost it. Sometimes the heaviest weight a person can carry is the weight of potential. I just crumbled. 
my emotions finally caught up to the truth of what I had been experiencing. It took two years to really process that and a really good counselor, okay? It's hard for us to feel this truth today, to feel that God is so big and so in control. I get that. If you don't feel it today, if you don't feel what you're singing, if you don't feel the emotion behind it, I just want to free you up. It's okay. It's okay if you don't feel overjoyed when we're singing, God, I look to you this morning. When other people have their hands raised and you're in a place of fear and anxiousness and you're not there right now, it's okay. This is the place you're supposed to be. I want to encourage you, though, to grab onto some nuggets of truth that maybe one of these truths you'd be able to cling to, even if you don't feel it, that you'd meditate on some of this truth this morning. And this is my prayer for you. If you're not really feeling this today, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast your anxiety on him. Jesus cares for you. Isaiah 41, 10 says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Cling to that truth this morning. Time and time again, God reassures his people that he loves them, that he's for them, and that they do not need to be afraid. He's telling you, do not fear. Our God is not only present with us, he's not only for us, but our God is victorious. And it's through Jesus that we get to experience that victory and see what God has done. Uh, Psalm 46, verse 8 says, Come, behold, really that word means to see, see the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth, he makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. That is not some little Hollywood movie, all right? You can't make that stuff up. He is in absolute control of the governments of the world, of the wars that are going on. That is the kind of God we serve. He is our creator and king over all. Verse 10, I want you to cling to more than anything today. It says, be still and know that I am God. The God of everything is saying to you through this psalm a few thousand years later, be still and know that I am God. Another way that be still is translated is cease striving. It's as if God is saying, stop doing your work for a minute so you can come and see my work and what I am doing. Stop trying to achieve your way to me and receive life from me. He says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah, rest, pause. So how do we apply being still and knowing that he is God? Being still is, is actually a spiritual discipline, a rhythm that we should get into that we can walk through life and, and practice solitude and practice silence. In fact, our uh, full-time team this past week, we were tasked with taking a day to be alone with God. And every quarter we do that as a team. And I can't tell you how hard it was for our team to put down work for a day because there's so much going on here at the well and just go be with God. That should be a sign right there that something's not right. But we... I'll have this idea. Maybe you've had this, this kind of idea of this idyllic quiet time in your mind, right? Like 
you go to your favorite coffee shop and you get your caramel latte with four shots of espresso. It has to be at least four for me, okay? And then you go and you sit at this table and that's your seat, right? You don't own this seat at all at the coffee shop, but that's your seat, right? And it's kind of like Huli at Merritt, right? Like we all know, we've all seen Huli posting there, okay? But you're sitting there and you know what? You've, you've got your latte, got a little chocolate croissant maybe, and you've got your Bible open and oh my goodness, the Lord is about to speak to you, right? Like you are setting the perfect environment and you just open right up and then Lauren Daigle just comes into your ear and it's so good and, and you're just sitting there and, and you take the perfect picture for Instagram and everybody's jealous. They're like, oh my goodness, they must have had this three-hour quiet time and heard from the Lord. But in reality, you're sitting there and you're like, God, where are you? We've put God in a box. We've put the creator of all, who's bigger than everything, into our little formula with our latte. How cheap is that? When he is king of all, there's nothing we can do to achieve or earn his presence. He is present, even in our trouble. Uh, My own uh, journey for this solitude and silence day was just to drive west, took the top off the Jeep and feeling good. I just drove west as far as I could. I made it to Lady Bird Lake, okay? And it was so, so good. And I saw these turtles, man, they weren't afraid. They weren't in their shells. They're sitting on the rocks, just basking in the sun, sticking their necks out. They're feeling good. I'm feeling good. God, this is so good. And then I drove to Lake Travis and my directions almost took me to Hippie Hollow, but I ended up at Windy Point. And so that was good. And I get there and I arrive and I'm just, oh, it's just me and God. I'm on my own and I realize I can't sit still. I was like, I could not even sit down. I'm supposed to be here alone, be still with God. And I'm just thinking, okay, God, you've got to show me something. So I put in my my headphones and I'm walking and going old school, so Michael W. Smith, anybody? Okay. (laughs) And I'm listening. I'm just feeling good and I'm walking along, and I'm realizing I'm not being still. I'm not being silent. None of that is happening, okay? I'm missing the point. And I'm trying to achieve this intimacy with God. And then I look, and there's a rainbow in the air. No joke. There's a rainbow and then a double rainbow. And I thought, okay, God, uh, this is it. You're going to give me this message in the next 30 minutes, and it's going to be perfect, right? This is going to be straight from the Lord. And I sat there, nothing, right? And I'm looking around at the water, and then sure enough, it starts lightning over Lake Travis. I'm like, well, man, my day is messed up. My euphoric moment of hearing from God is gone. What am I going to do? Even in our being still, we try to put God in a box. And it's easy to put away the distractions. It's easy to put Lauren Daigle in your ear and have your journal. But it's so much harder for our hearts to be at peace and be still. We can't do that on our own. We need God to meet us right where we're at. Guys, I want to give us a few practical points to cease striving. When you're on your own or when you're with other people even, I want to give you a few things to just be still. That you would pray. Doesn't that sound revolutionary, right? Like pray, listen to God. Our demons want to tell us that we're just too busy to pray. You don't have time for that. But as simple as that is, just pray and listen to God. Be with Him. Observe what's causing your fear and anxiety. 
Examine yourself. Examine your heart. Look at your own emotions. I love this line. Tame your emotions by naming your emotions. Tame your emotions by naming your emotions. Get alone with God this week. Be still with Him. Name your anxiety and your fear. What are you afraid of today? What is the problem you think is actually bigger than the God of the universe? Remember, take time to write it down, to journal it, whatever that looks like for you. Remember what God has done so that as you go forward, you can look back and worship Him. The last few weeks we've been talking about worship. You are worshiping God when you're alone and you're still with Him. Be still and know that He is God. Because I'm so bad at being still. I'm so bad at rushing to the next thing, the next event. In fact, when I was recovering from cancer, I was sitting in the wheelchair. I was non-weight-bearing for 13 months and didn't walk the whole year. I was 20 years old. And in that process, it was hard to be still. I got really bored. And I wanted to run to the next thing. I didn't know where God had me really in life. And I didn't know what was coming next. And I remember one day I I literally uh, crawled and pushed my wheelchair out the door. And then I crawled on my belly and got in the wheelchair and started rolling away. I was trying to run away from being still. I was trying to avoid it. And what happened next, what ensued, was the greatest slow motion chase in the history of the world. Um, My dad actually ran after me. And I wish I had a video of it. And we went down the street, and my dad catches up to me, and he just literally just rolls me back, right? Some of you are running from your heavenly father. And you've been running for him for a while. You need to be still. You need to rest in his presence. You need to cease striving and stop trying to earn your way to God. And you need to let God be God. You need to be still and know Jesus. And know that it's okay to cry out, God, where are you? And knowing that he's present with you. Guys, Jesus on the cross, he quoted Psalm 22 from David. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Guys, Jesus was actually forsaken on the cross so that you and I would not be forsaken. He conquered death and fear and anxiety and pain and whatever else the world can throw at you because he's Jesus and he is God and he is bigger than all of that. And he raised from the dead and gave you and me new life that we get to enter into and it is good And we need to be still and remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. When we think about the fears of this world, be still. Know Jesus. Know what he has done. And if David and Jesus can cry out, God, where are you? Then you and me can certainly cry out, God, where are you today? I don't want to just talk about this and Just jump into worship. I want to give you a moment just to be still. Some of you do need to say, God, where are you? You've been so distant from him, you haven't even taken the time to acknowledge him. And you're just showing up here today. Thank you for being here. But take this moment and go to him. Don't leave this place 
without receiving from a Father that loves you, that has been running after you for years. You might be here this morning and, and not know Jesus. And everything we're talking about is like, yeah, I'm afraid and I have anxiety. I don't know what to do. Man, welcome. You're one of us. We are broken and in need of a Savior who gave his life for every single one of us. I want to encourage you to walk through that with other people. We're going to have some pastors here at the front. Myself, Josh, Nick will be up here. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you to follow Jesus today. But for all of us here, let's just take a moment and be still. Let's put the phones down. Let's, let's put down the worry. Let's just take it to him and say, God, I want to be still and I want to know you. I want to know your works. I want to know what you've done for me. God, we come to you now. We pray that you would remind us how you are so much bigger than anything that we could face in this world. You are a God of comfort and a God of peace. And as we sit in this moment, would you comfort those that need comfort this morning, Jesus? Those who have lost loved ones this past year. Those who need your touch this morning, God. Would you remind us of your truth, Lord? For those battling long-term pain, long-term anxiety even, God, I just pray that you would bring freedom. For those that aren't feeling, they're not feeling you, God. You feel far and distant right now from some in this room. Would you open their eyes to see how you are moving in their life, Jesus? Be still and know Jesus. you continue just to be with God, to cease your work towards him and to receive life from him. Know that he is present with you. Know that he loves you and he's telling you, do not be afraid. That he is a very present help in the midst of trouble. We want to remember the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us, that this is only possible through what Jesus has done on the cross. And so as you feel led, we have communion tables around the cafeteria.